Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. We started a study last time we were together on um, this part in the Bible, this, this, this part in Acts, uh, wind, when the wind blows. It's a, a kind of a mini-series that I'm kind of doing, um, and uh, it's in the book of Acts. Now, before I dig into that today, as you know, on Sunday nights, I usually like to talk a little bit about current events and maybe something I saw in the news that applies to us as Christians in the, in the sense of how do we respond to culture, okay? So it's not necessarily a news event about Christians. It's just something that came up in the news that maybe affects us as a church or, it, you know, or maybe just us as Christians, like how do we think about something? Uh, so before we talk about this news event, I just want to make it really, really, really clear. Uh, I am not a doctor. Uh, I am not a nurse. Uh, I am not giving out medical advice. Does everyone understand, by you shaking your head, you're acknowledging that I'm not (laughs) giving out medical advice. Uh, I'm not coming out against any and all medications. Of course not, right? Um, But this was in the news. I want to take a look at this this news clip here. This just came out, um, and it's not from a Christian organization at all. Uh, It's a medical journal. It says, little evidence... That chemical imbalance causes depression, UCL scientists find. Researchers question the use of antidepressants prescribed in one in six uh, adults. Now, again, I am not coming out against any and all medications. I am not giving medical advice. That's not the point of what I'm going to talk about right now. What I'm going to talk about is just the fact that, that just remember, church, that, that science doesn't understand that there's a spiritual battle. Not all the time, but sometimes our depression can be caused by spiritual issues. As a Christian, I'm not talking about the unsaved people. I'm talking about us as Christians. Uh, I'm just going to read some parts from the, uh, from the news article. Scientists have called into question the widespread use of antidepressants after a major review found, quote, no clear evidence that low serotonin levels are responsible for depression. Prescriptions for antidepressants have risen dramatically since the 1990s. One in six adults... 2% of teenagers are now being prescribed them. Millions, millions of more people around the world regularly use antidepressants. So now I'm not coming out against it. I'm just saying this affects our church because our church has an addiction recovery program. And a, a large number of people that come to our program uh, come due to uh, anxiety and worry and depression. And a lot of people are, are on medications. And again, we're, we're, not, we're not taking sides on it. I just want you to be aware of this. Quote, many people take antidepressants because they have been led to believe their depression has a biochemical cause. But this new research suggests this belief is not grounded in evidence, unquote, said the study lead uh, author uh, Joanna Moncrief, a professor of psychiatry at the University College in London. Um, It's always difficult to prove a negative, but I think we can safely say that after a vast amount of research conducted over several decades, there is no convincing evidence that depression is caused by serotonin abnormalities. Uh, particularly by lower levels uh, or reduced activity of serotonin. Thousands of people suffer from side effects of antidepressants, including the severe withdrawal effects that can occur when people try to stop them, yet prescription rates continue to rise. We believe the situation has been driven partially 
by the false belief that depression is due to a chemical imbalance. Uh, if I had a nickel in my years of, of, of an addiction recovery counselor, which is 18 and a half years that I've been doing that, if I had a nickel for every person that told me they just, I was at the doctor for five minutes, I have a chemical imbalance. I'd be a multi-millionaire if I had a nickel for everyone that just said, I was like, okay, all right. Um, it's high time to inform the public that this belief is not grounded in science. So again, because I'm not coming out against, and I don't know anyone's medications here, I don't want to know anyone's medications here, but the thing we have to remember as Christians, and the, the whole point of this is this, as Christians we have to remember there's a spiritual battle. We have to remember that the battlefield uh, of the devil really is our mind, okay? Uh, and I'm not at all saying that every Christian, you know, doesn't have depression, of course not. Christians struggle with depression. Christians struggle you know, with suicidal thoughts, just like anybody else does, right? But we have to just take into account. We can't just write it off and say, well, give me a pill for that. As Christians, I think we need to pause and say, wait a second. Could there be, is there possibly something else? Is there a spiritual battle taking place? Is there a spiritual component to my anxiety, to my worry, to my depression? And I think we have to look at it. And, and the world would never agree with that, right? The world would think we're nuts because we look at it from a Christian viewpoint. But it is interesting now that the world's starting to say, wait a second, hold on a second. It's being overprescribed. It, it, we just live in a microwave society where it's just take a pill. You don't like your gender, take a pill, right? You don't like this, take a pill. You do, whatever you don't like, just take a pill for it. Um, and it's making, it's making some people very rich, but it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Church, don't ever forget. And those of you that struggle with... with uh, with worry or anxiety or depression, we're actually going to talk about this tonight, it is very real. But don't ever forget that the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Spiritual wickedness in high places. So don't ever forget the devil wants to marginalize us, okay? All of us, myself included. He doesn't necessarily want to kill us. He wants to marginalize us to where we're not as effective as we could be. So just Take that, uh, that article just for FYI, for whatever, um, and talk to your doctor. Again, I'm not giving any medical advice on it, but I'm sharing a medical journal with you in a recent publication just for the sake that we're just aware of it. Um, again, I just think that we're just an overprescribed generation. I just think it's, it's a problem we have. It's something for us to consider. But I do believe, you know, I do believe there are mental health issues, and I believe that some people really have to be on medications. I'm not against that. I'm not at all against that. Uh, I just think we have to just be very careful that we just don't do whatever the doctor says right away and just, well, I don't know, I'll just take it, you know. Let's look at spiritual issues. Okay, with that in mind, now take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, we're going to talk about mental health a little bit tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about our emotions a little bit tonight. The, the passage that we're in, uh, in this study, When the Wind Blows, is in Acts chapter 27. This guy named Paul, he's, he's the first missionary that goes out, okay, the Apostle Paul, he wrote half of the New Testament, and he's out in a missionary journey, and, and, and ultimately he's going to Rome because they're putting him in prison for, for what he said, you know, for, for preaching about Jesus. But, um, and, and you could go online, you could listen to our whole series of the book of Acts and get a really good commentary on it. But I tell you what, let's just start with Acts chapter 27, verse 1. Let's pick up what we talked about last week so you understand where we're going. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, remember, he's going to Rome on a boat they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto someone named Julius, unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band, verse 2. And entering into the ship, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, uh, and verse 3. And the next day we touched at Sidon, 
And Julius uh, courteously entreated Paul, gave him liberty. Verse 4, and when we had launched from thence, we sailed into Cyprus. Why? Because the winds were contrary. When you take your pen, we talked about this last week, underline the fact that the winds were contrary. Now, this passage, this whole passage, and this is what our whole series is on, talks about the wind and the weather numerous times. It's probably the only place in the Bible that talks about the weather so much. I just don't think it's, it's a coincidence that the weather is mentioned a lot. I think there's something we can kind of learn. Paul's on a journey. We're on a journey going through life. Paul had, had something that God had called him to do, and that was obviously God wanted him to go to Rome, right? But he, he runs into this, these different types of winds, these different types of weathers, and Paul um, deals with them in a different way. Again, I just thought it was interesting that this was talked about in the Bible. And so if we kind of apply it to our life, well, Paul is on a journey, we're on a journey. What does Paul do in these different kinds of weather situations? So we looked at last time that the winds were contrary. He was supposed to go this way, the winds were contrary. And, and Paul, uh, verse 7, and when we had sailed slowly uh, uh, many days and scarce were, scarce were come unto Snidus, the winds not suffering us, so the winds prevented us. We sailed into Crete over against Salmon. So the wind was preventing him from going here. So before it was contrary, now it's preventing him. Paul took uh, uh, action, went a different way, verse 9. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, so take your pen and underline dangerous. So what was the weather? The weather was, was bad to the point that it was dangerous. So it wasn't, it wasn't a contrary wind. It wasn't just a wind like we talked about last time, just kind of blowing against him. It was just contrary to what he was doing. But now it says that the wind, the weather is dangerous. So now it's not just, oh, I have a contrary wind or, oh, this is a little difficult. But now it's literally dangerous because the fast was now already passed. Paul admonished them. So it was dangerous winds. Uh, uh, and then uh, we'll look later on at some of the other parts but, uh, of what the wind he talks about. But he meets up with this wind and now it's a dangerous wind. And so what is Paul going to do? Well, let me, let me remind us tonight what we talked about last time we were together. Remember this, life is not always fair, okay? Young people, the sooner you get in your mind that life is not always fair, the better off you will be because life just isn't fair. We kind of live in that mindset, that, that age today where it's like, well, everything should be fair, everything should go my way, you know, I, I deserve the best today, I deserve a break today, you know, I should, everything should just go the way I want it to go, and if it, don't, if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, I throw a fit, I yell on Facebook, I protest, you know, but it, it should always go my way. Life doesn't always go our way. As Christians, life doesn't always go our way either, all right? Paul is in a boat going to Rome. And the first few verses says that the wind was contrary. So they have to change direction. They still they still the same goal. We talked about that last time. But it takes longer. It's a little bit more difficult. But they keep going. And now, now when they're going, uh, now when they're sailing, uh, in, in verse 7, the wind is not suffering them. And as we look down in verse 9, it says now the wind was even dangerous. So there's obviously a season of the weather. It's about a month long that most people would stop sailing. Paul knows he needs to get to Rome. And there's a time in the season, it's a season, a literal season of the year, about a month when most people don't go sailing anymore there in those areas. And there's times in our life when circumstances may even put us at risk. 
and, and, and now for them, it's going to be dangerous, and there's dangerous winds. And I was kind of thinking about, well, what are some dangerous winds that we encounter in our life? What are some things that could be dangerous? Well, one of the things I thought about was our thinking. Our emotions and our thinking can be very dangerous for us sometimes in our journey of life. We can get into a lot of trouble with our thinking. It can be dangerous. I also wrote down this. I thought sometimes our circumstances uh, or our opportunities could be dangerous. Um, you know, I've always been a student of people. I, I consider myself a student of myself, too. <laughs> when I'm not in my right frame of mind, when I'm not thinking right, when I'm not feeling right, I try to be aware of it, and I try to have the optimistic look that, that seasons change. We all go through hard times. It's not always forever, but seasons of life change. Things come, things go. We have a good day today, we have a bad day tomorrow. If I find myself in an anxious state or, or even a, a down state or a depressed state, I know this. I know that I don't make major life decisions when I'm down. If I'm having a hard time, if I'm feeling kind of depressed, I just don't make major life decisions. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. You, you wait until you feel better. When, you, when, you're, when you're down, when you're, when, you're, when you're in a dangerous spot emotionally, don't make major life decisions. You feel pressure to do it. I think of my mother-in-law, a wonderful woman, Bonnie. As you know, the passing of her husband, Arnie, a good friend of our church, uh, just a few weeks ago, well, I guess a month ago now, um, we cautioned her, in this time of the passing of your husband after 52 years of marriage, do not make any major life decisions. We're not going to let you sell the house. We're not going to let you move. We're not going to let you buy a new car. We're not going to let you change your investments. We're not going to let you do whatever. Just take a breath, sit tight for right now, this too shall pass. The season of loneliness, the season of depression that kind of comes along with the passing of a loved one, uh, not that you forget it, but, but this emotional time you're in right now is a very dangerous time. You can start playing games. Your mind can start going places. Uh, no one cares about me. No one loves me. Everyone's left me. I'm all by myself now. You know, what am I going to do? I'll never make it. How am I going to go to church by myself? What am I going to have to do to get a job or whatever? And those things can really, really play into our mind. And so uh, we kind of get tunnel vision. A lot of people go to suicide because of depression and because of, of how they let those thoughts just go, those dangerous thoughts just move. And so, so Christians, I just believe that, that we need to monitor our attitude. We need to monitor to be aware of our emotions. We need to pay attention to those and be aware if we're in a dangerous spot, to be aware if, if this is some season I'm going through. I'm not just talking about the winter blues. I'm not talking about the middle of January when it's dark and it's cold and you get up in the morning and it's dark and you leave work and it's dark. Don't you hate that? I hate the month of January. I just don't like it. Um, in my mind, I just kind of, in my mind, I kind of feel like I have to make it to Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day, it starts getting, you, know, you kind of notice it's getting lighter, you know, earlier when you, but, you know, when I start work here, if I open here, I'm here at six o'clock and I usually stay here till five, six, seven o'clock. It's dark when I get here. It's dark when I leave. If I'm running the plow truck, it's dark at four o'clock in the morning. It's dark at seven o'clock at night. And it's just like, yeah, it's just going to go crazy. You know, I feel bad for the people that live up in Alaska or something like that. I, I purposely... Um, side note, I purposely just 
force myself to enjoy winter sports just so I can enjoy winter sports. So there's something I can look forward to in January. I love going downhill skiing. We love snowboarding. We love snowmobiling. And it's like, boy, that's, you know, it's cold. Yeah, but it gets me out. It gets me doing something. There's something in the calendar that I can look forward to. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, I can't wait till spring. But, but you know how that is. But um, you could be in a dangerous time and a, a dangerous thing like that and, and make dangerous decisions bad decisions. And this is when I'm looking at what Paul's going through. He, he's, they're going to sail, and it's dangerous. Interesting. Go to verse 10. Paul says to them, sirs, this is the captain of the boat, I perceive that this voyage will be hurt and much damaged, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. So, so Paul, I think, is being influenced by God's Spirit to say, hey, this is a dangerous time. A few verses ago, we had contrary winds, but we kept going. We changed the course a little bit. We took a little bit longer route, but we're still making progress. We're still going. But wait a second. It's dangerous. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be going here. We shouldn't be doing this. Uh, our lives are at danger. Our decisions are at danger. Verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master, the captain, and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So, as you know, they keep going. Can, can I say this too about this? Listen. If someone loves you enough, if someone cares for you enough to say something about your emotional state, it would be good for you to listen, all right? Husbands, if your wife says something about your emotional state, you need to listen. Wives, if your husband says something about your emotional state, he's a braver man than I would ever be. <laughs> but wives, we need to listen. Those of you that come here on Friday night, come for our addiction recovery program. You're in a challenge group. You have a challenge leader. They're there to challenge you. If they say something to you, you know, I, these are dangerous times we're in. You're emotionally, maybe this is not a good thing to be doing this. You just came off a breakup. You just came off a job loss. You just came off a bad, you know, health report. It behooves us to listen to people that love us enough to give us input, to give us advice. Because you may not know, you're in tunnel vision, you may not realize you're in a bad state. The captain of this boat was apparently flipping about the dangerous state he was in. Paul, being led by God's Spirit, said, you know what, we shouldn't be doing this. It would have been wise for the captain of the ship to take Paul's direction, to take Paul's input. And, and sometimes we just seem a little bit out of sort, and, and, and someone says something to us, and what happens? <clears throat> we get defensive our ego builds up a little bit, and we say, no, I'm not listening to you. Listen, church, that's a dangerous place to be. Did you ever talk to someone and someone ever confront you about something? Maybe it's your boss at work. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone at the church. Uh, maybe it's the pastor. Maybe it's the pastor's wife. Maybe it's, it's your challenge leader. And they confront you on something, and immediately that wall goes up in your ego, and now it's your pride. No. And you got excuses. You blame everybody else, right? It's, every, it's everybody else's fault. No, not me. It's this person's fault. It's, it's my kids. It's my husband. It's my wife. It's the money. It's the government. It's, it's someone's fault. And, and that wall is up, and you won't take input. That, my friend, is a dangerous place to be. Really dangerous. Maybe God's working through the person sitting next to you in church to lean into you a little bit, to give you some input or some advice, because they love you, not because they hate you, not because they're gossiping about you, but because they love you. 
And maybe God's using a person to help you, keep you from being in a dangerous position emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and, and, and it would be good to listen. I, I really think that when, when God's given us a spouse, our spouse are, is a good barometer of where we are. Uh, why? Because they live with you. <laughs> they know what it's like. Um, and, and let me say this too about, about our feelings. Um, how do I say it? I'll just say it. Our feelings are real, okay? Don't, don't, don't think that our feelings aren't real. Our feelings are very real. When you have joy, it's real. When you have sorrow, it's real. When you're depressed, it's real. It's produced by your body. Think for a minute. Think. Listen. Listen carefully. It may not be beneficial, but it's real. So, yeah. Um, you have anxiety and you worry. Well, that may not be a beneficial thing, but I get it that it's real. It's real. I mean, your body, for some reason, is in fear mode. For some reason, it's in a depressed mode. For some reason, it's in a joyful mode. For some reason, it's in a happy mode. It may not be the right time. It may not be a good thing to do, but is it real? Yeah, it's real. Um, it's like when you watch a sad movie. Now, I had a pastor friend tell me one time, uh, talking about this, he said he remembers watching a sad movie, and the movie was, uh, what was it called? Where, uh, Where the Red Fern Grows. How many of you have watched that movie? Is that like really old? I think I watched it. I don't even remember it. But I don't know. Was it about a dog? It was about a dog. Or was it about a plant? The ferns. I don't know. He said when he'd watched that movie, him and his family, there was not a dry eye in the, in the and I don't even know what the movie was about, but he said we all just cried. I, I just can't relate to that because I, I think I watched it, but I just don't, I, obviously I don't remember it. Um, I think of that, that movie, and I don't even know, well, I guess it's good, Pride and Prejudice. Do you know what I'm talking about? The women, you know, shake your head if you know what I'm talking about, right? Did you cry? Of course you cried. You cried when, when that guy, whatever his name was, Mr. Darcy, right? He did whatever to the girl. I don't even know what her name was, right? And I, we'd watch that at her house, and I'd just look over there. And there's Amy. She's crying. And there's Bryce. He's bawling like a baby. Listen. I don't doubt that our emotions are real, right? The movie brought your body into a state, you were pulled into it, uh, and, and, and it brought you into a point. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean it was beneficial, you know, it doesn't mean it was a good way to use your time or waste your time, but it, was it real? Yeah, were you really sad at Mr. Darcy or what was the, Amy, where's it, what was the lady's name again? Huh? The Bennetts. The Bennetts, is that their last name is? Okay, well, what's the main lady's name? Elizabeth Bennett, yeah. For whatever she does, and I don't even know. I, you asked me, what's the movie about? I have no idea what the movie is. I think I saw it, and it was like, that, the red fern, I don't even know. But, um, but they're designed to trigger, trigger your brain and to get a response out of it, right? Is it real? Yeah. Is it beneficial? Well, it may or may not be. Is it rational? It may or not, it may or not be. Um, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, is it real? Yeah. Is it rational? Maybe not. Maybe it is. But at the moment, it's real to you. And sometimes you need someone to lean into you and say, you know what? <clears throat> it's no big deal. All right? It's no big deal. Or we need to move past this. Or let's deal with this. Or let's talk about it. I remember my pastor, Dr. Scudder. Um, <laughs> Dr. Scudder. Uh, I remember when, like, you know, we were starting the church and, and the church was really small. 
and we were starting church and, and maybe someone would say something or someone left our church and they'd say something rude about me or about my wife or about the church. And I remember just being so worked up about it. You know, how could they be so rude? How could they be so unkind to us? And I'd talk to Dr. Scudder, you know, looking for like a shoulder to cry on. And he'd just, ha, 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 ha. You know, don't worry about them. That family's a wreck and they're, you know, a train wreck waiting to happen. And I don't even know who they are, but I guarantee you they're a mess. And, you know, and he just, don't, just don't even think about them. It's like, all right, Dr. Scudder said, don't think about them, don't think about them, you know. And I'd always just kind of, he'd, he'd just say, don't let them bother you. He'd say, just outlive them. And so far, I have. <laughs> Acts chapter 27, verse 15, kind of interesting. If we were to look at the story later on, go on with a boat story here with Paul. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up in the wind, they let her drive. And in other words, the boat got stuck. And they said, fine, just let it go. Don't hold on to the sails. Don't hold on to the anchor. Just whatever happens, happens. They would have been wiser to take notice of what Paul said, right? They would have been wiser to listen to someone that was caring about them. And I also thought about this too. It's not just our emotions that can be dangerous. I think that's probably the big thing that we all struggle with is our emotions. But I think our opportunities, opportunities we have could be dangerous. Uh, places to go, people to date, people to marry, they could be dangerous. Uh, you know, I cautioned my boys for years, um, and, and Bryce's girlfriend Emily is here, and we love Emily, so this has nothing to do with Emily, but, <laughs> but I cautioned my boys for years that, that marrying the wrong person could be a dangerous opportunity. They could be sweet, they could be nice, they could be kind, but it could be dangerous. Why? Because maybe God called you to go this way, and the person you marry wants you to go this way, all right? So it, it looks like an okay opportunity, doesn't look like anything bad, but it could be a dangerous opportunity. And, and you have to think about it. Uh, or a job. A job can be a dangerous opportunity. It really could be. Nothing wrong with having a job. It's good to have a job, but you could have a job that could be a dangerous opportunity. Uh, I've known so many people, uh, and it just kills me, that were involved in this church that have done great. They grew up in a Christian school. They went to a Christian Bible college. You know, their parents are Christian. They've got all this great Christian training. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, I'm taking a different job. Yeah, I'm moving. And I always just wince. Really? You're moving. You're here you're plugged in, your kids are plugged in, you got a good church, you're growing here, you know, you, you, you know all this. And, and I, the first question I ask, did you find a church? 99% of the times, this is the answer I get. No, but I'm sure I'll find one. No, you won't. I, the fact that you told me that, I'm not a betting man, but I'll almost bet you won't find one. I, because, because your attitude is, I'm taking the job, period. If I can find a church, that'd be great. Listen, <laughs> when you're involved in a good church like this, and, and, and I'm not trying to brag, I'm just telling you. When you're involved in a good church like this, it's very hard to find another good church like this. It, there's a lot of churches. There's a lot of Baptist churches. A lot of them I wouldn't give you two cents for, and I, let alone move my family and have us worship there and participate in. It, they're far and few between. And, and, and nine times out of ten, I hate this, but nine times out of ten, I follow up with these people later on, and it's not, but two or three years later, they're not going to church anywhere. Fast forward the clock, it usually ends up in a divorce. Why? Because, Pastor, I found a job. 
You gambled all that. You gambled all that for $75,000 a year. You're a fool. You're a dangerous opportunity. Church, if you're a Christian that's involved in an active growing church that reads the Bible literally cover to cover, you're going to be hard-pressed to find another church that, that really follows along the same suit. And I'm just saying, an unsaved person can go and move and get away with it? I doubt you can. You better make sure you find a church first that your pastor gives the blessing to first and then say, well, I may look at a job over there. But you better have that lined up first. My Bible says, correct me if I'm wrong, seek ye what? First. The what? The best job opportunity you can find. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. You better not play games with God because, man, he's going to take care of you. And it's not, it's not funny. It's that you say, well, I, there's churches everywhere. Yeah, there are. You really think you're just going to get away with it? You think so? I, don't, I just don't know. You, you better be very, very careful. You know, I, I remember uh, I had an opportunity for a job one time. Um, I told you the story. I was a senior in high school, grew up in a Christian school. It was a wonderful experience. No complaints there. Uh, my senior year, I was graduating high school, and I had, I had a job offer. I was into graphic arts, as you know. I, I spent uh, about 20 years, 15, 20 years as a professional graphic artist. But at this time, when I was 18, I was just getting into it. And I was looking for opportunities. I just, I just loved doing that kind of thing as a professional artist, um, uh, graphic designer. And I had a job opportunity from a company called Zappin Printing at the time, which was a very large printer in Chicago. I happened to know through a connection of people, the owner of the company, he toured me on the company, and he said, you graduate, you know, why don't you come here and I'll put you in a, you know, a mentoring position and, you know, put you in this, this thing and, and this program and we can get you up and you could, you could take this job and it'd be good. There's nothing wrong with being a professional graphic artist. There's nothing wrong with working at this printing company. Matter of fact, matter of fact, the guy, the owner, Rich Zappin, was a Christian and he would not take any of the alcohol jobs that were coming down from Milwaukee. He would not print for Budweiser or Miller or any of those companies. That he, just, he's, he was one of the only printers that said, nope. I won't print anything that goes against my faith. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Nothing wrong with that job. There's nothing wrong with that job. But at the same time, right, the same time, of course, Dr. Scudder enters the picture. <laughs> well, I have a job opportunity for you. And I wasn't even, okay, you know, what? You know, he says, well, our camp, Quentin Road Baptist Church owned a Christian camp at the time, northern Minnesota. We need to build a dining hall. We literally are going to build a dining hall, probably the size of this auditorium. And we just need carpenters. Uh, well, what, oh, okay, sure, you know. Um, so, you know, you worked on our building project. You know carpentry skills. You were a carpenter for a year or two in high school. Uh, why don't you, you come up and live at our camp? And, uh, well, where'd we, well, you're going to sleep in a tent for four months. Uh, we'll feed you food, you know. There'll be food, but you're going to literally be outside. There's like, I don't know, 90 million mosquitoes and ticks and, and deer flies out there, and you're going to build a dining hall, and, you know, we're going to pay like 100 bucks a week. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so interesting, you know, just kind of one of those interesting moments in your life as an 18-year-old. Well, I could go this way and go down the career path, but man, my pastor asked me to go this way and help build a dining hall for a Christian camp at 100 bucks a week, and I'm going to live in a tent for four months, you know. All right, you know, well, okay. There's nothing wrong with that job. It just, what, for me, Let's just be honest. It was a dangerous opportunity, a real dangerous opportunity. Why? Now think. Think about that, church. Had I gone that way and gone into full-time graphic arts, what would be different? You would not be here right now. This would be a cornfield. 
the three baptisms today wouldn't have taken place. And, and I don't say that, church, to brag. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it's a fact. I went that way, and God used me going that way, got me involved in carpentry, which gave us the guts to build this building, to come a million dollars under budget. No church around here is a million dollars under budget. I'll guarantee you that. And they get it done a few months early. No church does that. Well, God used me going this way to help do that, to be here. And we, had, we saw all these beautiful baptisms today. We just say, praise God. Well, that's not me bragging. I'm just saying it's a fact. If you were here, if I'd gone that way, you'd be sitting in a cornfield right now. That's just the truth. All right? Well, maybe God would have had someone else open up a different church. That's fine. But I'm just saying the way I, I wouldn't be here, and that's just the way it was gone. So, so you have to be very careful. There, there's, 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 there's opportunities, a moving opportunity. There's job opportunities. That could be good. But church, be careful. Those can be dangerous opportunities. They could be. Uh, the bottom line, the bottom line, be very cautious of dangerous winds. Mental health is a very dangerous wind. Opportunities, jobs, moving, uh, stuff like that, dating relationships can be good, but they can also be dangerous opportunities. They can be, okay? We have to be very, very careful. Look to those around you for help. Look to those in your church for guidance. Look for those friends and, and Christian leaders in your church and follow their lead. Don't make big decisions on your own. Be very cautious, very cautious of dangerous winds. They could affect your life forever, forever, and you won't even know what you would have missed. I just think back at me going, that job, had I gone that way, I just wouldn't have known the blessing of what I would have missed because I would have never saw what God would have had for me. So when it comes to decisions and things that make, seek counsel, you don't have to talk to, you know, the Bible says wisdom in a multitude of counselors. You only have one pastor at your church, right? <laughs> Talk to people. Get input. Should I do this? Should I go there? Should I date that person? Should I move here? Get input and then receive it. Because remember, it may be a dangerous wind coming your way and you emotionally may not be in the position to make a good, solid decision. That's why God gives us a local church to help us, okay? very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>